everyone, and welcome to New Consciousness Review. I'm Miriam Knight, and speaking with us today from Copenhagen is Barbara Berger, the author of a fascinating new book, The Awakening Human Being, A Guide to the Power of Mind. Barbara was born in America and moved to Denmark 20 years ago. She is the author of 15 books, including the international bestseller, The Road to Power, Fast Food for the Soul, and Are You Happy Now? 10 Ways to Live a Happy Life. In all her books, Barbara Berger explores the incredible power of mind to shape our experience of life and how to use this power wisely. Her message is very relevant for everyone in this time of crisis because an understanding of how the mind works is the key to living a happy life right now, regardless of outer events and circumstances. Barbara Berger, I'm so glad you're joining us today. Hello and welcome. Thank you very much. I'm thrilled to be here. Barbara, how did you develop this fascination with how the mind works? (laughs) Well, that's a very good question. I think the short answer is a lot of pain and suffering. (laughs) Our greatest teacher. Exactly, exactly. When you, when, well, as everyone knows, pain is God's megaphone. So we have all these problems, challenges, and um, they are actually the motivation for most of, most people anyway to, to seek to go up higher, to seek the truth, to try to find out answers. What's going on? Why is this happening to me? You know, the usual suspects. <laughs> it reminds me of that TV ad for the cell phone network. Can you hear me now? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's very good. Very good. Yeah, Your book yeah. is called The Awakening Human Being, and we hear so yeah. much about awakening today. It's a word that people throw around everywhere. Tell us what you mean by it. Well, I mean awakening, I use it in the sense of awakening to the nature of mind, awakening to the nature of consciousness, or you could say awakening to our true nature. Uh, and I believe that this is the great revolution that's going on today in the world, that more and more people are awakening to, to the true nature, awakening to, to the way their minds work, awakening, you could say, to the nature of reality. Because up until now, I would say that mm, the, the vast majority of the world's population, we've all been pretty much asleep. We haven't been conscious of the fact that we're conscious. We haven't been conscious, in other words, we haven't been aware of the fact that we have this amazing consciousness and we have minds that function in a certain way. So, so actually, that's what this book is about. I, I really tried to in a very simple and practical way, map out the mechanism of mind and consciousness so that that we can all have a better understanding of it. Because as you said in the beginning, I believe that this is the key to to living a happy life, to understand this. You know, so many people think that they are, you know, awake and aware when they're doing and out there and striving and everything. And yet Mm -hmm. you draw the distinction between things that, almost numb us to reality. Expand a bit about in, uh, the, the, the engaged aspect of awakening. 
Well, I think I think actually I think I would probably say it a bit differently. I would probably say it in the sense that most people are so identified with their thinking, or in other words, so identified and attached to to the to the thoughts that they're entertaining, and that's what you mean by the, the activities or whatever that they're not really conscious of the fact that thoughts are arising and that they're identifying with the stories, and so. The pro- I mean, and that's okay, you could say. So what's the problem if that's the case? The problem really arises that, that when, when we are unhappy or when we're experiencing suffering, that we're usually so identified with our thoughts, in other words, so identified with our stories, that we don't really see reality. And that, and that leads actually to another point, which I discuss a lot in this book, that, that there is that there is, when you wake up, you discover that there is a difference between reality and our thinking, or reality and our stories, and and that this is part of the the awakening process, actually, to see that there is this thing that we call life or reality or whatever you want to call it, events, the events that are unfolding for all of us, and then there. Are, then we have our thoughts about these events or our stories about these events, or you could even say our interpretation of what these events mean. And that's actually what we get to live. We get to live our stories. We don't, we very seldom anyway, live reality for what it is. Um, Give us an example to illustrate this because it's actually quite a difficult point to grasp. Yeah. Well, okay, if we take a very simple example, say, for example, the reality is two people get divorced. A divorce, the, the reality of a divorce is two people who live together under the same roof separate and go their separate ways. So that's the reality. Then people have their interpretation when they get divorced of what this means for them. And you will see that one person who gets divorced it's, it's the end of the world. They go into depression. You know, this is terrible. I'll be alone for the rest of my life. So that's their story about this event, and that's their experience of this event. Another person, when they get divorced, it can be, hallelujah, you know, <laughs> finally I'm free. Or that was my experience, so I know that that can happen. So, and and that, that's their experience. But in both cases, the, the reality is a divorce is two people who live together no longer live together. That's the reality. But our experience of this reality, it varies from person to person, and that really has nothing to do with the reality. It really has to do only with your story. In other words, your interpretation of, you know, if you think it's good, then you're happy, and if you think it's bad, basically, then you're unhappy. That's a very short version of it. So, so to understand this mechanism, to be able to start to see that, is so self-empowering because it suddenly means that, okay, I could actually look at my story. I could actually look at this story and see, does it serve me well? Does it have anything to do with reality? Is it realistic? Is it a sane way to live my life? So... It's, uh, it's very liberating to understand this mechanism. You write in your book that it's resistance to reality that causes suffering, that that's the only mm. suffering. Mm. Um, you also say that unhappiness and suffering arise when our thinking is out of harmony with reality. Mm. Explain yeah. this for us. Well, again, I mean, 
if you really boil it down to what is reality, reality is this moment, right here, right now. And if you ask yourself, or if anyone who's listening to us asks themselves, what, what is wrong with this moment? I mean, actually, that's the only thing we have, and everything else is a story, actually. Mm-hmm. Everything about the past is a story. Everything about the future is a story. So, so reality is really just this. I'm sitting here at this chair, and on this chair in front of my computer talking to, to this wonderful woman in Oregon, and I'm sitting here in Copenhagen, and that's the reality. Uh, and the moment that we move away from this moment, uh, we're actually just in a thought. And so depending on your, what, your, what your story is, I mean, if you have a happy story, fine, but a lot of people don't have very happy stories. Either they're dwelling on, you know, past regrets or guilt or unhappy things that they think happened to them in the past, or they're, they're projecting into a future which hasn't arisen yet and worrying about stuff and indulging in catastrophic thinking. Uh, very seldom do I meet anyone, and it's also true probably for us, who's actually present in this moment. Because, I mean, what is wrong with this moment? So if you, if you look at it in that way, you can say that the only thing that can possibly be preventing us from being happy right now is a story. Mm-hmm. But, of course, the story can be used to create... Uh, wonderful new realities as well as unhappy realities. Absolutely. Well, that's also one of the things that I, I, I explore a lot in, in this book. I mean, and when you understand that the only thing that we experience actually is the focus of our attention, mm-hmm. then you also start to realize, my goodness gracious, what am I focusing my attention on now? Do yeah. I really want that? You know, yeah. so wake, waking up to this stuff in the beginning, at least that was my experience, it, you know, it's like, oh, my goodness gracious, what am I doing? <laughs> so, yes, you're absolutely right. Well, it's like Pareto's principle. So many of us spend 80% of the time thinking about the, 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 the problems rather than mm. the solution. We need to flip mm. that equation. Well, also, if you, if you, I like sort of to explain it in the, in the sense, if you say that the radiance of our true nature, I mean, we are this amazing consciousness, um, and if you would say that our true nature is like the radiance of the sun, that's what we already are, as a divine love, it's all, it's all what we are to begin with. But, but our thinking is sort of like the clouds that are, are blocking the sun, you could say. So, so it, the problem for most of us is it's not that we have to really to create something. We basically have to unlearn all the, uh, the programming, the, 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 the things that, that the inappropriate, all the inappropriate stuff that we've learned throughout our lives that are actually preventing us from being present in this moment and enjoying who we really are. I mean, mm-hmm. so, so it's all kind of backwards, actually. Yeah, I, I know you reference Eckhart Tolle's book, The Power of Now. I remember mm-hmm. in his book he talks a lot about the pain body and how mm-hmm. we tend to get invested in our own pain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. It's a, it's a great concept he has, the pain body. I mean, you could say that that's really our... 
it's the sum total of all our inappropriate stories that that we're carrying around, and we get in these different. I, I work as a therapist, so I talk to people every day, uh, and I definitely see how this inappropriate uh, programming and lack of self awareness. I mean, then then you really you really identify with it. Mm-hmm. So his his exercises of being present. Uh, and 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 actually noticing that there's a difference between you and your story, and that's that's a great exercise. Being present and noticing when you notice when you when you are again when you bring awareness to this stuff, it, it changes the whole equation automatically. Mm. Yeah. Uh, well, if you've just joined us, you're listening to New Consciousness Review, and I'm Miriam Knight, and we're speaking with Bar- Barbara Berger, discussing her book, The Awakening Human Being. Um, Barbara, do you, do you think oh, becoming awake is the next step in our evolution? I hope so. <laughs> do, do, you, do you actually see an increase in it? Do you sense an increase in it in the world? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, if, I mean I'm mean, i so old that I remember, I mean, when I grew up, the, the information that's available today um, on, on a mass scale because of technology and because of the Internet, and I mean, th- there's so much advanced information available to people today that wasn't around before. I mean, when I was born, it was like you know, if you if you were in a monastery in Tibet, maybe you had some access to to, to information about the nature of consciousness, or if you were a Buddhist practitioner or something like. It was a very small, uh, elite groups that had in, uh, access to this kind of information. Today, it's everywhere. So I mean, the 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 the, the possibility to wake up the possibility to come in contact with this information it's fantastic actually what's going on i mean, just think about you and i were actually talking i'm sitting here in copenhagen and you're sitting in oregon and we're having this high level spiritual conversation i mean amazing skype the internet it's wonderful oh <laughs> uh, you know i i I was chuckling to myself when you said, I am so old. You look like a teenager uh, on, your, <laughs> on your book cover and on your website, and you're sitting next to this hunky young man who, it turns out, is your son and not your spouse. It's my son. I know. <laughs> and he's going to be, my son, Tim, is going to be 40 this year. So you can figure out I am not 40. Oh, my God. You two are doing something, and actually- right? And actually, you said that I had uh, moved to Copenhagen 20 years ago. I moved to Copenhagen 40 years ago. Oh. So I've been, yeah, so I've lived here a long time. Well, I just actually, extrapolated I from the way you look. Yeah. Wow. So it must be lovely to collaborate with your son. How, how did that happen? It's great. It's great. Well, actually, I have three sons. Uh, um, Tim is my oldest son, and um, my my sons have always been, you know, we've all always been very interested in this uh, stuff, and so it's just sort of arose naturally. We, we've always had a lot of young people coming. We, we've had, you know, group meditations at our center every week for years. Where, I mean, it's just sort of organically... It just happened that way. Tim actually just wrote, he's written several books, but his newest book, uh, he's written a book about relationships, 
which will be uh, published by Finthorn Press this spring and will be coming out in the United States pretty soon. So maybe you'll want to talk to him, too, actually. He has a lot of interest. Well, Finthorn sent me all their books for review, so I'm sure I'll be seeing it. I will we'll look out for it. it. Yeah, exactly. So, and I'll be able to so connect anyway, it with you. So it's, uh, anyway, it's definitely a privilege and a great honor to have kids who are so high in consciousness and to do this stuff together is just an amazing blessing. Amazing. Well, we'll, we'll get back to, to Tim later because uh, we'll, we'll talk about his music as well. So um, let's get back to the awakening human being. Do you think reality is something you can explain objectively, or is it really something we can only experience? As far as I can see, it's definitely only something we can experience. Because you're you're describing in your book how our thinking creates our reality, and. Um, I don't think I don't quite think I said it like that, Miriam. I, I actually was very careful about that. I really say that our thinking creates our experience of reality. There's a big difference. Mm-hmm, sure. But, yeah. So in other words, what is whatever that is that is um, the way that we experience it. That's what our thinking determines. Mm-hmm. And you you kind of talk a lot about getting real and dealing with Mm -hmm. it. It's like you're taking Mm -hmm. people by the shoulders and just shaking them and say, deal with it, people. Mm -hmm. What are the things we should be dealing with kind of in order of priority? Well, again, I mean, if your life is working and you're, you're happy now, fine. But most people are not that I meet. I mean, okay, people come to me also because they're in crisis or they have problems. So trying to, 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 to take a look at what your thinking is doing. In other words, one of the things about this book, I, I start out by trying to map out the mechanism of mind because one of the things I've discovered is that when we're so identified with our thinking, we take everything very personally. So what I've tried to do is I've tried to map out the mechanism of mind, and I call it the mental laws, because I wanted to show that the way our minds work is actually an impersonal phenomena that's happening to, to, happening to all of us. Uh, I mean, that it's impersonal in the sense that, like, there are physical laws, like the law of gravity, for example, is a physical law. And the law of gravity says that, you know, if you stand on top of a building and you jump, you're going to fall down and hit the ground. And it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you know about the law of gravity. The law of gravity is working all the time. It doesn't matter if you're rich. It doesn't matter if you're poor. It doesn't matter if you're young. It doesn't matter if you're old. It works the same for everyone. And the mechanism of mind is the same. We all um, have this impersonal mechanism of consciousness working in us. So whether or not we are aware of it, it's happening. And as long as we're not aware of it, many of us are victimized by our lack of understanding. So, 
so by mapping it out, I try to help people. You could say it's a way of, it's a self-empowerment tool. In other words, when we understand the nature of our minds, when we understand, for example, the first mental law is that thoughts arise. Just that in itself, to understand that thinking arises, thoughts arise in all of us, it's not something that we're doing. And as you, you have looked at the book, so you know that the first exercise is, I say to the reader, if you don't believe me, sit down and look at a white wall and say to yourself, I'm going to look at this white wall and I'm not going to think. And that's also what we call meditation often, right? You're not going to mm-hmm. think. And you know, if you sit there and you look at, stare at a white wall, it's impossible. Thoughts arise automatically. <laughs> We're not doing it. You know, like you're thinking about, oh, I forgot to buy milk at the supermarket, or my husband said that to me, or, you know, the, the thoughts are arising. It's like it's, a, it's an impersonal mechanism. And then the next thing is that we identify so with these, these thoughts arise. In other words, it's happening. We're not doing it. So we, 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 have, no, we have no choice until we become aware of it. Um, so that's really, when you say, what is it that we can do, consciousness or awareness or awakening is about becoming aware of this and that in itself is a total transformation of one's life just this awareness Hmm. well we're going to take a short break and then we'll be right back speaking with Barbara Berger Reviewers are the cornerstone of New Consciousness Review, and we are always looking for enthusiastic readers to join our team. You get first peek at leading-edge books and build your library in the process. Reviews don't have to be long, just your honest opinion, and you'll be providing an important service to the community. So if you're interested, email us at reviews at ncreview.com. We're back. We're speaking with Barbara Berger about her book, The Awakening Human Being. Barbara, you write in your book that everyone is seeking happiness, but you also say most people are seeking happiness in the wrong place. What do you mean by this? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, <clears throat> again, um, most of the people that I, I, I meet and who come to our lectures and workshops and who come to me for private sessions uh, there, the idea of happiness is really uh, dependent on outer circumstances. You know, the people say that they'll be happy if they get a great job or if they have a wonderful husband or if they live in a beautiful house or they have a thin body or, you know, if they have good health. So, in other words, the, the whole idea of, of happiness, the definition, I, I would say, in our, our world, in our society, is mainly that happiness is conditional dependent on outer circumstances. And not to say, you know, it can be nice to have a nice husband and it can be nice to live in a nice house. It's not that there's anything wrong with any of these things, but this kind of happiness is 
dependent on outer circumstances, so it makes you very vulnerable. Mm-hmm. So that's an, another thing, because it's probably going to change. None of these things last forever. They come and go. So you might be happy for a while, and then you'll, if you lose this, then you'll be, for many people, desperately unhappy. So I try to talk about in my book that, that real, true happiness, real happiness, is, is actually our nature. Uh, it's, it's not dependent on outer, outer circumstances, on other people. It's actually what we are. And that actually that we are the happiness that we are seeking so desperately out there. So I actually can see that because we're so out of focus that we're actually missing, you know, the really good stuff, which is right where we are right here, right now. So yeah, I've heard a lot of people refer to uh, the, the quotation from Jesus, be as a child. And they, mm-hmm. they relate that to be as as carefree and and spontaneous and and engaged in the world as a child mm. just engaged with nature you you talk about um how restorative you find just being out in nature mm-hmm. and I, I i love your um one of the the things that you recommend for your daily practice is gratitude expressing gratitude tell us about yeah. that yeah well again uh, going back to what we were talking about before uh you know that what you focus your attention on grows in your experience in other words when we see that what we think about is what we experience so it's obvious that if we focus on the things that that we love if we focus on the things that we're grateful for this will grow in our experience. I mean, there's no better way to, than to wake up in the morning and just make a list of all the things you're thankful for, you know. I can breathe, I can see, I can walk, I can talk. I mean, you just start and it just becomes this rampage of, of wonder. And, I mean, it's a great way to, to to raise your energy. Gratitude, the attitude of gratitude will get you there anytime. So, this But also is, you were saying this is about happiness. I mean, happiness is... Again, the, the, the kind of unconditional, radiant happiness, which is our nature, it's not, it, again, I don't believe it's something that we're supposed to create because we already are it. It's more we have to find it and uncover it and get rid of all the things that are preventing us from experience, experiencing this moment, the, the, the radiance of now. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's lovely. How how does this relate? Uh, give us another mental law that relates to this. Uh, well, if you, if we continue the the laws in the book, I, after the first law about thoughts are arising, then the second law is to understand the law of witnessing. In other words, if you go back to sitting in a chair, <laughs> looking at a white wall, and you actually notice that yes, it's true. I, thoughts arise, it's not something that I am doing. The next discovery is that, oh, who said that? You know, that that I'm actually able to watch this happening. So -hmm. there's already like a difference here. There's the observer, which is who I am, and then there's the thoughts arising. So that can't be me because if if you can actually observe a thought arising, you can watch, you know, the thought, oh, I forgot to buy milk in the supermarket. 
it arose and you look at it, okay, I forgot to buy milk, and then it goes away again, but you're still there. Hello, that's really interesting, right? So that means that I am not that thought. And when you get that, that is so liberating because it's actually true of all your thoughts, that they come and go and you're still there. So, 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 so the ramifications of that, I mean, if you can apply that to everything that's going on, you say, oh my goodness, right? Mm-hmm. So, so, so we are this great universal consciousness in which thoughts are arising. And it is our identification with those thoughts that really gets us in trouble. So that so goes by, back to what by, you were saying about your story. Exactly. So go, by, by moving back to the witness position, oh, it's so self-empowering. It's so liberating because then you understand, okay, I have this story. Can I use this story? Is this story sane? Is it good for me? You know, I mean, what, what are the results of believing in this story, of identifying with this story? Because that's what we do, and then we get to live it. So we get to live our stories when we're really identified with them. Mm-hmm. You, you mentioned Byron Katie's uh, The Work, and mm-hmm. she asks about the, the, the stories that we tell ourselves. Is it true? Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. She, she's brilliant, brilliant. So can, can you just describe that process because you recommend it as part of a, a yeah. practice? Yeah. Well, I use it a lot, for example, when I have clients, uh, people come and they have, I mean, one of the things that I really can see that is very problematic for, for most people who are in crisis is they have what I call catastrophic thinking. Uh, people come in and, you know, either it's a divorce or their business or their health. I mean, it's some kind of thing crisis event and then whatever it is that has happened they have catastrophic thinking about it you know it's the end of the world or i'll never find another i'll never find love again or i'll never get well again and so the work of byron katie is a brilliant tool to get people grounded you know you go and you say okay so what's bothering you and then they'll tell you the story and then you'll go and you say well let's look a little bit more carefully at this Mm-hmm. Is it true? You know, you're getting divorced. Is it true that this means that you'll never find love again? And then it's like, wow, okay, I can see that, okay, maybe I'm unhappy right now and I'm not with this person anymore, but I can't absolutely know that it's true that I'll never find love again. So it's like, wow, it's such a relief to actually, it's sort of like a laser beam. You go in and you cut through all this catastrophic thinking, all these stories of gloom and doom, and then the person sort of says, oh, okay, I can see that, okay, so I can go on with my life and have a much more sort of sane, balanced approach to whatever it is that's happening. Mm-hmm. So, so it is actually, as, as she says, that reality is always or usually much kinder than our stories. And that's actually what I see with people when I work with them. They find out that reality, what actually happened, okay, it might be unpleasant or it might be painful, but it wasn't half as bad as their story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so it's a great relief. It's wonderful to find that out. It's so liberating. Um, so would would this be considered part of your um, investigative tools? 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, really, cognitive psychology, uh, that's what cognitive psychology really is. Byron Katie's technique is a very simplified, very effective form of cognitive psychology where you actually investigate people's thinking. I mean, that's what, if you go to a cognitive psychologist, that's what they do. They look at your catastrophic thinking and they find out what thoughts are, are really driving you crazy. And then you go in and look at it and say, well, okay. You know, does this really have any, what kind of relevance does it have? I mean, it's not like the person is living in a lie. It's just that they have exaggerated the claims usually. To, they have made them, again, that's why catastrophic thinking is such a good good word for it. You can, you can always see when people enter it because it's very black and white thinking, you could say, or it's whenever people use the words like always or never, I mean, these kind of, absolute generalization, you know, I'll never find happiness again, or mm-hmm. I'm always, you know, it's mm-hmm. ne- reality is never like that. Reality is much more, it's a lot softer. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it's difficult to break away from focusing on those um, catastrophic scenarios. So it, mm-hmm. that, that's why you provide your focus tools? Yeah, absolutely. Well, as you see in the book, I have two different approaches. So in other words, when we know that what we focus our attention on or our thinking is creating our, our experience of reality, so, so we, have the, we have these two ways of approaching our thinking, actually, when we understand the power of our minds. Either we can, as we were just talking about, investigate our stories and find out, you know, do they have how much do they really relate to to reality and are they serving me well that's one approach and the other approach is to use the mind consciously to choose your focus as much as you can so for example gratitude or i I have other focus tools in the book so so in other words to say okay i know that what i focus my attention on is going to grow in my experience so what do i want to focus on and you do that as a spiritual practice i mean that's really what spiritual practice is you could say to, to mm-hmm. choose consciously, what am I going to focus my attention on? You have a very relaxed take on meditation. I really enjoyed your approach. Could really? you share it with our <laughs> listeners? What do you mean by a very relaxed approach? Well, you know, you, you talk about all the different ways, and you say, and that's good, and that's good. <laughs> and you want to do it this yeah. way? That's fine. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, it basically. So, what what is your favorite way to do meditation? Well, there are a lot of ways. I mean, in, in the book, I describe what I call, you know, traditional meditation, which is, you know, focusing on the the the, the witness, focusing on your breathing. Um, these are all the sort of the traditional uh, approaches to to basic meditation te- techniques. But today there are also so many other things that are people people are doing visualization, relaxation. So so again, that's why I asked you what are you actually talking about when you say meditation? Because I noticed that people are throwing this word around a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're, so you're saying. Mean, yeah, explain because explain the differences between meditation and visualization and 
and affirmations and so on. Well, meditation, again, traditionally meditation, formal meditation, is, is this sitting quietly, doing nothing, and watching what the mind does and, and, and exploring the nature of consciousness. And why is that important? Well, again, all the things that, that we've been talking about, that I'm writing about in, in the book, the nature of mind, the nature of consciousness, how do we find this out? I mean, how did anybody find anything out of these things? I mean, you have to sit down and take a look at what, how your mind works. And so meditation is the number one tool. You sit there and you decide that you're just going to watch your breathing and you're not going to think about anything. And then it doesn't work. Thoughts come. I mean, if you just have to sit there for 20 minutes every day and all the things that I write about in my book you will find that out for yourself. That's why I keep saying in the book, don't believe me. Sit down and watch what happens, and you will discover this. So meditation is the tool for this. Mm-hmm. So the other kind of stuff, you know, uh, relaxation, visualization, affirmation, that's another way of using the mind. That, that's not really traditional or formal meditation in my mind. That's... that's uh, those are more focused tools. Again, there's nothing wrong with them. They're excellent practices, but it's not really meditation. It's focusing, using the mind to focus on, you know, on, on, on gratitude or love. Or I mean, there's a million and one different practices, and they're all, they all are excellent, but they're not formal meditation. I, I think one of the things that I found so appealing in your book when you contrast it with some of the other literature out there, is that Mm -hmm. the other books are almost using, say, affirmations and and vision boards, almost as a metaphysical or shamanic incantation to Mm -hmm. somehow magically bring uh, what you desire into your life. Whereas what your approach seems to me to be saying is that change your mind and that will change your experience that tap into the power of your own mind to affect your own experience of reality is that a fair statement you're very good at contradicting me go ahead (laughs) i would just say that that it's really just a question uh, of, of understanding what's going on, and the rest will happen by itself. Um, again, it goes back to the, to, to the original premise that there's nothing wrong with us to begin with. Mm-hmm. So, so it's more a question about unlearning uh, what it is that is preventing us from, from having this wonderful life, which is what we are to begin with. So, so again, it's, an un, it's more of an undoing. Mm-hmm. Um, you actually so the had other one, you go mm-hmm. the other the other the other approaches that you're talking about it's so difficult because you're trying so hard you have to create all this stuff that you don't have but it's really the opposite it's really nothing there's nothing to do there's nowhere to go there's nothing to gain because it's already this this is it I mean it's like really it's just so relaxing when you discover this there's nothing to do, and there's nowhere to go. I mean, and this is, is it. You are it. Hmm. 
I get two two pictures here. One is you sitting by your desk, gazing out the window at the beautiful sunset. Um, and the other is somebody putting up a vision board with the the Mercedes and the um, house with the pool. And, you know, feeling the distance between them. And it, it, it's almost like engendering dissatisfaction, whereas you're saying be satisfied with the world and yourself as you are. But, I mean, also, again, what you're describing is, if we go back to that, that my happiness, my value somehow depends on outer things. I mean, that my my happiness depends on whether or not I have a Mercedes. I mean, talk about insanity. I mean, it has nothing to do with who I am. I mean, so, so, I mean, again, to get lost in the material world, that's, a lot of people do that, and I've certainly done it before, but it definitely doesn't work. It's not going to get you there in the long run. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, you're going to wake up sitting in your bed by yourself with you. I mean, that's it. That's, that, that, that's what you've got, you know, and I mean, it's fantastic. So it's like this hysteria to get stuff and outer focus. I mean, it's it's uh, all of that stuff. It does lead to really unhappiness because it does it doesn't last. It doesn't work. It's quick fix. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're listening to New Consciousness Review, and we're speaking with Barbara Berger about her book, The Awakening Human Being. Barbara, where do you think um, we will be as a society in ten years? Do you th- <laughs> do, do you? Th- I mean, in terms of our mind power, do you think that we're moving towards a um, a contraction of our material life and an expansion of our spiritual life? Is that what you'd like to see happen? What a question. You've really got some good questions. Well, again, if you go back to what I've been talking about, um, the only thing that I know for sure is that we're here right now. Um, And that's about it. And so projecting into the future, uh, I think I would be willing to say that since our, our interpretation of What's going on is pretty much what we experience. It, and ten years from now, it'll be the same. So it's not out there. It's it's still we still come back to it's in here. Well, it's in a lot of here's. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, it's inside exactly. each of us. It's but exactly. there there is a resonant field that seems to be shifting. Wouldn't you say? Well, I would say that, again, if we look at the nature of consciousness, um, it is true, as you say, it's a field, and we are, we are this field. And so I think that our, our, our most important task is, again, I mean, if you say if it's personal liberation you're looking for or if it's planetary, uh, you know, helping the planet or whatever, whatever your, your, the, your, the reason is, but, but you still come back to... What are you going to do right here, right now? And, mm-hmm. and the only thing that you can do is to raise your own consciousness. And how do you actually do that? I mean, that's really what my whole book is about. How do we clean up our act? How do we understand who we are? And how do we raise our consciousness? 
So, so I mean, no matter what, what way that you look at the challenges we face or what's going to happen in 2012 or what's going to happen in 10 years from now, we still come back to what are you going to do right now? Mm-hmm. And that's all we have to, to manage. That's also the lovely part of it. You know, I mean, that's, it's not exciting to know and to realize that all you have to do is manage this moment and then this moment and then this moment. And if, when, you, when you get that, it's so liberating. So that's the best thing that you can do for yourself, for the world, for, for everything. Tell us about your website. I love the name of it, the Beam Team, because you both seem to be beaming. <laughs> yeah, the the website is www.beamteam.com. B e a m t e a m dot com, uh, and it's true that that's how the name came about. Actually, people used to call me Barbara Beamer. And you notice my son's name is Tim Ray, so we were the Beamers <laughs> and the Rays, so, that, so that's how we became the Beam Team. So, yes, you're absolutely right. So we're here to beam you up. What do you do um, through your website? You, you have uh, all kinds of events. And- yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, actually, you can, uh, you can download for free. Uh, we've been talking about the mental laws, which are in my new book, The Awakening Human Being. And the mental laws, uh, you can download uh, a small book with the mental laws for free on the website. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also download some guided meditations by me. You can uh, download some of our music. We've actually tried to, uh, we actually tried to make uh, popular music, uh, pop songs with, with affirmations. Um, I think there's a few songs you can download. We have a web shop where you can order my books or Tim's books. So that, yeah, there's a lot of stuff you can do there. It's interesting. I just reviewed um, an, a new CD by Michael Beckwith called Transcendence, where he mm-hmm. also takes positive messages and puts them into the kind of oh, hip hop, uh, yeah, funky music, rock yeah. genre. And yeah. well, uh, we had we had, I, we had the idea that that you know there was so much really cool music out there, but the lyrics were just so awful. So yeah. we thought, well, why don't we take some of this music that, you know, great to dance to, but actually put some words in there that actually we would really would like to hear. So, so yeah, we've tried to do that, too, because we really need that. Mm-hmm. You know, what I found um, is that this makes fabulous music to exercise to. Yes. Be- I mean, when you listen to some of the lyrics of, of most pop songs, you know, particularly the, the ones with the driving rhythm, they're very negative. Yeah, exactly. And then you don't really want because the thing is, you're sort of programming yourself when you keep on repeating these very negative lyrics over and over again. You know, I'm so heartbroken. I'm so heartbroken. Do you want to go around repeating that? <laughs> so we figured, you know, so we figured, well, let's say something else, something that we would actually like to say over and over again. So, so yeah, that's what we tried to do, actually. Yeah. What, what is that um, phrase that you say about thinking and reality? Thank you, that there's a difference between your thinking and reality? No, no, no. You, what, you, what you think about thinking is positive, closer to the truth. You have all these little, little sayings in your book. I... Oh, yeah. Positive thinking is closer to the truth. Yeah, it's true. 
It's definitely true. Since since you are the happiness that you seek, since since divine love is already your nature, so you know, positive thinking is definitely closer to the truth. So yeah, that's good to know. This is this is the the good one. We experience what we believe in, especially what we believe in with conviction. We've certainly heard that. Uh, yeah. And it's so important to keep on. I mean, as you say, we hear it and we hear it, and we still still haven't internalized it. Yeah. Well, I you know I I think that you have a, a great book here, Barbara. It's it's got lovely Thank tools, um, particularly your tools for your daily practice, mm-hmm. um, and you you have a very firm conviction that everyone should have a daily practice, don't you? Oh, absolutely. Because yeah. I mean, it's not it's not enough to read uh, a book. It, I mean, it is. You have to integrate this. You have to work with it. I mean, if you want it to become your your reality, if you want to to to, to deprogram yourself, I mean, this is really a process, and it's not that easy to do. I mean, a lot of these concepts they sound very simple, but the practice is something else. So, absolutely. I mean, I'm, I mean, working with myself and working with other people for so many years, I mean, this it's very seldom that you have someone who wakes up like Eckhart Tolle did all one day and suddenly everything is clear. The most, most of us, it's the long grind. I mean, that's yeah. my case anyway. I mean, it's... it's As you a, say, you, know, you have to down. do the work. You have to do yeah, the work. You have to do yeah. the work, you know, and it's, and sometimes the going is really tough, especially when when you really start to have old stuff coming up to be cleared. So you definitely need your spiritual practice. You bet. Well, Barbara, thank you so much for being with us today. And people, we have a treat. We're going to hear one of the tracks from the CD uh, that Barbara collaborated with her son Tim Ray on as our track of the week. So thank you again, Barbara, for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it, Miriam. Thank you. We're going to conclude our show with the track of the week that I promised you from the album of spiritual pop songs written by Barbara and her son, Tim Ray. This song is sung by Tim and is called Now. Get up on the dance floor Now is the answer to all your questions Truth running out in all directions Now is the answer to all your questions Love coming in from all directions Get up on the dance floor If not now, then when? If not here, then where? Today, today is the way to find the meaning of the truth. Today, today is the way to find the passion of your youth. Now is the answer to all your questions. Truth running out. In all directions, now is the answer to all your questions. Love coming in from all directions. Get up on the dance floor. 
get up on the dance floor. Just today, today's the way. Just today, today's the way. Just today, today's the way to find the meaning of the truth. Just today, today's the way to find the passion of your youth. Now is the answer to all your questions. Truth wanted out in all directions. Now is the answer to all your questions. Love coming in from all directions. Get up on the dance floor. Get up on the dance floor. Get 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 up on the dance floor. Get the money down strong. That was Now from an album called Spiritual Pop Songs by Tim Ray and Barbara Berger. Tim is also an author, counselor, and lecturer, and their CD contains 12 fun and funky pop songs with positive, happy, consciousness-raising lyrics that you can sing and dance to. You can even download this track from their website, beamteam.com. Well, that wraps up our show for today. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.